0: Ladies and gentlemen, this week, in next 90 days, we are talking about perspective. And as a part of our conversation around perspective, we have a treat. I was able to have a conversation with Katherine Schwarzenegger Pratt, who has just recently become a New York Times bestseller for a book that she's written called The Gift of Forgiveness. Man, forgiveness, it is a complicated topic And Catherine is someone who has approached this topic with extraordinary grace. She has found 22 people who have the most incredible stories of what I would argue are unforgivable in many, many instances, stories that they chose to forgive anyway. They found a way to, with the perspective of how forgiveness could be an attempt to take back the power in unforgivable situations, offer forgiveness, and the way that she has walked through these stories, the way that we in this conversation walk through the complicated nature of forgiveness will challenge you to think differently about how forgiveness is all about perspective. I hope you'll enjoy this week's conversation with Katherine Schwarzenegger Pratt. What would the world look like if we all pushed ourselves to have candid conversations with people who didn't look like us, think like us, or live like us? I'm Dave Hollis, and I'm on a mission to learn more about this world by meeting more of the people who live here. You may not always agree with everything you hear, but I guarantee you'll come away more informed on topics you might never have thought to seek out before. This isn't just a podcast. It's a community. And when we raise each other up, we all rise together. As I just said in that illustrious lead up and introduction, please welcome Catherine to the show.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: So, in a weird way, the universe uh, gifted both Catherine and I the same blessing on the same day in that we had books come out and they both hit the New York Times list on the same day. And through technology like Instagram, I reached out and just simply said, hey, Would you grace us with your presence on this podcast because forgiveness, the gift of forgiveness being the book that she wrote, uh, is something that universally couples who are interested in exceptional relationship have to get a handle on. And you have done something extraordinary in gathering the stories of 22 humans who have chosen, chosen forgiveness as a thing that they would do in what, many times, most of the times, feel like unforgivable situations. Um, yes. I just, I, I love the topic. I love the way that you do the storytelling and the the way that you've waded into these things because there is universalism in the way that all of us are going to inevitably deal with having been let down, having someone breach a trust, having someone push us into a place of struggle. And I'm wondering if your decision to go have these conversations was a reflection of your already understanding the universal nature of it. Like what what was it that drew you into this conversation in the first place?
1: Yeah, well, I think, first of all, that was such a nice uh, whole intro to everything. So thank you so much. Um, I really was interested in forgiveness just because I was struggling with it myself in my own life. And I had had a really big falling out with um someone who I thought was a lifelong friend. And it was really hard for me to get past the fact that we would no longer be in each other's lives as, uh, as much as, you know, I had once thought, uh, that we would. And so I was exploring my, what forgiveness meant to me and how to practice it. And I, was searching in all different areas. I was, you know, going to church and I was going to therapy and talking to other people about, you know, what, what their forgiveness journeys were like. And, um, and as you just said before, forgiveness is such an interesting topic because it's not gender specific or race specific or age specific. It's something that all of us experience and come face to face with at some point in our lives. So it was interesting to me that I you know, hadn't heard a lot of conversation around the topic of forgiveness, even though it was something that we all deal with. And um, so I found that in my struggle with forgiveness, the most helpful information and helpful guidance that I received was just talking to people about their experience and their struggle with forgiveness and seeing how not alone I was in my journey and also how unique everyone's forgiveness journey is to their own specific uh, life and situation. And it was really eye-opening for me and also really inspiring to see and hear how people were able to practice it, how people are still struggling with it, how some people are very closed off to the idea of forgiveness. Um, Others, it comes really easily. So I wanted to explore that more. And it was funny because I when I started to write this book, I kind of thought I had a really good handle on forgiveness and that I had a- been able to practice forgiveness in my life. And I'm sure on some smaller scales I was able to, but I quickly realized as I started interviewing these 22 people, um, you know, God has a funny way of working and I felt, uh, a lot of trigger moments come up in my journey of writing this book that tested my ability to forgive and so it showed me that I still had a lot more to learn on forgiveness and this was the perfect way to educate myself on forgiveness and to be able to talk to these 22 incredible people about their journey and their struggle and their thoughts on forgiveness and really be able to absorb that and apply those nuggets of wisdom to my own experience and my own life was a huge gift and i ended up learning you know so much about myself which As you know, it comes in every process and journey of writing a book, but for me, especially with this topic specifically, so it was a really therapeutic process of two and a half years getting this book together and and talking to a lot of incredible people.
0: It's so crazy. I mean, number one, I just want to say if you, listener, are a fan of the way that in Rachel's transparency in the way that she writes or the transparency that exists in my book, maybe you can see yourself in our stories. The same is true in the way that Catherine has weaved together the tapestry of these stories of these 22 people. You will see yourself in their stories and in seeing the humanity and the process and the uniqueness of each of their individual journeys, but yet still find something that you can relate to, I think in a beautiful way, it gives permission for you to also grapple with how hard it can be to forgive, grapple with it being something of a process. I'm, I'm struck by two and a half years. I mean, like two and a half years to work on a book <laughs> is an incredible amount of time and not like, it oh, is. it's supposed to only take a certain amount of time, but more. I think about how different I am today than I was two and a half years ago. I've been doing a lot of work. But in the process of writing the book, man, there was therapy and catharsis and a lot of like, careful what you're trying to teach because the universe will teach you that lesson kind of moments for me in all of the things. What, what I think is interesting you know, in the process of writing a book is what you go in thinking you are going to teach or thinking you are going to find only to find out what other things were meant to be taught to you along the way. Is there anything in particular that you can put your finger on that you say, man, I came in thinking this, but I was given the gift of a whole new perspective because of this story or that story or the way that you had to process forgiveness in your own life during the course of the two and a half years.
1: Yeah. I mean, there were so many things. I think we all kind of uh, grow up with, um, you know, some of us grew up with an, a understanding of forgiveness or, um, a judgment of forgiveness as being something, you know, for myself, I, I sometimes thought of it as something that was a weakness or, um, looked at it as something that I was giving to another person or, uh, struggled with moments of forgiveness when someone would, you know, do something that caused me pain because I felt like I was giving them something or betraying my own hurt so i think for me going into this i had a very uh you know confused understanding of or i guess not an understanding at all but a, a confused relationship with what forgiveness was in my life and what the role was and also what it meant to me specifically and um quickly with talking to these 22 people and I believe I started my first two interviews were with Elizabeth Smart and Chris Williams, whose stories are in the book and are incredibly uh, just amazing. Unbelievable. Ins- yeah, inspiring and um, just jaw-dropping stories. So I started with talking to both of them and I was just so fascinated and taken aback by their ability to forgive. And when I would really talk to them about you know, what forgiveness meant to them and why they chose the path of forgiveness. Because, you know, of course, both of them had terrible things happen to them and did not need by any means to forgive in either of their situations. And they both explained to me that forgiveness is a gift that you're giving yourself and has nothing to do with another person. You know, in Elizabeth Smart's case, she had been kidnapped and abused. And, you know, when she was finally returned back to her family, she, you know, had a decision to stay in a place of being upset and devastated, which she 100% had every right to do, or she could go a different route, which her parents talked to her about and and not allow the people who had taken so much from her life already to have any more control of her future moving forward and to forgive them. So she didn't live her life moving forward with anger or sadness and, or the inability to live her life, uh, to the fullest. And the same with Chris Williams, whose entire family was taken from him in a, or most of his family members were taken from him in a drunk driving accident. And he chose to practice forgiveness because he knew that if he was going to live his life moving forward, Um, that carrying that anger and resentment towards someone would not be good for his two kids that were still alive. And also he always thought of his wife and children who had passed away and how they would have been so disappointed had he decided to uh, live his life in a place of anger. And so when I was able to listen to both of them, you know, who are again, so inspiring and look at forgiveness as being something that you're giving yourself and it not having anything to do with, you know, anyone else or a person who wronged you or a person who caused you incredible pain and giving them anything. It's all about you taking your power back and saying that, you know, yes, of course, what happened was incredibly wrong and painful and and caused you hurt. And it doesn't discredit that hurt. It just means you don't want to live your life moving forward, carrying it around with you every single day. So that was probably like the biggest shift for me as a student of forgiveness. And I still am a student of forgiveness because I always like to make that very clear when I'm talking to people about my journey, writing this book, that just because I have spent two and a half years writing this book and... Have talked to 22 incredible people and still get to talk to people like yourself and learn more about forgiveness. It does not mean that I'm an expert on forgiveness at all, and I have been blessed to be able to practice forgiveness in my life. But I also know that I will struggle with it moving forward. But changing my perspective as it as it being a gift that I'm giving to myself was a really big game changer for me when with, it, uh, the role of forgiveness in my life.
0: It's so good. I, you know, like I, I thought of it a little bit through the lens of who I had not yet forgiven that I could choose to do so. And I thought about the decision to not forgive as me swallowing a poison pill that was me holding on to a thing that was keeping me from, being free. And and I love the way that you just said that. If you did not hear this, hear these words, that this is a vehicle to get your power back, which I just I think is like one of the morals out of any and every of these stories is that this decision, this choice to do it for yourself, ends up being a platform from which you have power to now live fully into your life. It doesn't mean diminish the, the fact that it happened. Uh, what's, what, one thing I'm interested in, sorry, this is a super fast pivot, but I'm thinking of it in real time, <laughs> right? There are these like colloquialisms that we grow up having been taught or told. One of them that I just never have subscribed to is this idea of not going to bed angry. has nothing to do with forgiveness, but I just like the idea of waking up fresh so that you can be clear-headed to have a conversation. Another yeah. that I just really struggle with is the idea of forgiving and forgetting. Because right. I do think, yep, forgiveness is such a gift. But also, it's not something that you do and just pretend like it didn't happen. And if, if anything in these stories, holy cow, they're harrowing stories. Um, it's impossible for any of these people to forget. Is there anything in the kind of naivete that may come from a colloquialism like that, that you've learned is ridiculous in this, in, in this process?
1: Well, the forgive and forget thing definitely came up a lot and it continues to come up a lot, especially, um, you know, when I'm talking to people about the book, but also, uh, we have this amazing Facebook group called forgiveness ambassadors and the conversations that go on with the people who are a part of that group as complete strangers and just trying to get help and navigate their way through their forgiveness journey is really interesting because, um, it's beautiful and so moving for me to, to read, but also, there is uh, the topic of you know forgiving and forgetting comes up a lot and you know if you are able to forgive and forget does that mean that you really have been able to forgive and then if you forgive and don't forget does that mean that you actually have not been able to practice forgiveness and that was something that I struggled with a lot myself because I could not for the life of me get to a place where I felt like I could forgive and completely erase any memory of what had happened with a specific person or an incident from my past, especially when, you know, the people that you choose to, um, that you choose to practice forgiveness with are remaining figures in your life. So that to me was really confusing and what I learned, and it was a, a question that I actually asked every single person when I interviewed them for this, for my book, I asked every single person what their opinions were on forgiving and forgetting. And it was really a big relief to me to know that every single person said forgiving and forgetting isn't a realistic thing. And if you're able to do that, great. But if you're not able to do that and you forgive and still remember what the person has done and allow it to be a little, you know, a note in your head about, you know possibly boundaries moving forward or how you want to reestablish your relationship with the person moving forward etc that does not mean that you haven't forgiven it means that you've forgiven but you've also allowed yourself to have a new and improved relationship with the person in your life or you have allowed yourself the permission to create boundaries that are healthy for you and for your heart And that's an incredibly important part of the forgiveness journey. So the forgiving and forgetting idea to me is something I, you know, am not able to necessarily practice as much as I am able to say that I have been able to practice forgiveness and I don't think of what they, the person has done to me every single time I see them necessarily, but I'm also able to reestablish relationships, especially if the person is, you know, going to be in my life and I'm going to see them all the time again, I allow myself to be okay with the fact that our relationship isn't going to go back to the way it was before an incident happened. And I can, I can forgive them and still have a great friendship and a great relationship with them. But I also allow myself to have a, to have boundaries that will work for whatever our new relationship is moving forward. And I think that that is, a great way of practicing forgiveness that allows you to not allow yourself to be walked all over or taken advantage of because you still maintain your power and you still give yourself this gift of forgiveness and you're doing it in a way that's being mindful of your heart and um, protecting yourself moving forward.
0: That's good. I mean, you're, you're applying the learnings that come out of something that you would not have asked for, but it happened. And now that it's happened, you're choosing to process it in a way that can in as positive a way, afford you to maintain relationship, but in a way that reduces the opportunity for you to experience the pain that you had in the past i am I am here for it. One thing that I was struck by you know we've had uh, we had Dr. Gary Chapman on the show previously. He wrote the Love Languages mm-hmm. book and the Languages yes, of Apology book. book. Oh, I love it, love him uh, you know like in in his work, there were some very defined lanes that consistently had how people give and show love or how they need to give and receive apology. But I'm struck by all of these stories having complete different processes in terms of yeah. how people get to their place of forgiveness. And sometimes it is this ongoing, it will never, ever be a completely closed loop in that they are continuing to process Uh, whether it's grief or continuing to process the anger that will come up, but then choosing to come back to a place of forgiveness. Did you suspect when you came into the interviewing process that there would have been more consistency with the way that people process forgiveness? Or did you, did you, I don't, I I was surprised. I thought, oh, there's going to be a handful of ways that people tend to process and the stories to a story were completely and wholly unique.
1: It's funny because when I first started um, doing this book, I would I would also finish most of my interviews asking people for like three quick tips on uh on practicing forgiveness with the idea that, you know, possibly when I put all these stories together in the writing process, that I could find common threads and that I could, you know, give readers and people who are interested in this book. And in interested in the topic of forgiveness, you know these are three bullet points that people who are, have been able to practice forgiveness, you know, can give you to better practice forgiveness in your life. And the reality of what I quickly learned was that each story is so unique, and also every single person's way of understanding forgiveness, practicing it, not practicing it, struggling with it, uh, living with it. Is so different that there were no, you know, common threads. And so when people are saying, which, you know, we live in a society where people want to know here are five steps to, um, you know, to getting over something, or here are five steps to losing weight, or here are five steps to your best self, those, you know, quick fixes with everything. People want to know what are the quick fixes with forgiveness. And what I (laughs) tell people is, Unfortunately, there are no quick fixes to forgiveness. I think the number one most important thing is to be open to the idea of forgiveness because so many people that I would talk to in my life and just when I was doing this book are so closed off to the idea of forgiveness. And they say, you know, what happened to me was unforgivable. You know, I'm never doing that. I'm never going to get over that, et cetera. So there's like that kind of Vibe, And then there's people who are, you know, really easily forgiveness comes to them and, you know, it's no matter what comes to them, they can get to a place of forgiveness pretty quickly. And, you know, that's what they are good at. And then there are some people like myself who take every forgiveness opportunity as it comes. And I don't have an exact way that I practice forgiveness because some situations I can say, Okay, I can deal with that. Process it and move forward. Other situations take me years. Some situations I'm still struggling with, and and I think for me, while it's a uh, you know kind of nerve wracking or daunting idea that there is no right or wrong way to practice forgiveness, it also is an exciting way to look at it because. I think so many people are like, well, am I doing it the wrong way? Am I right? Like, what's the right way to practice? You always want to get, you know, some people, you know, especially like myself, I'm like, is this right? Am I doing this right? Is this, is the correct. And the beautiful thing in this book is that you'll realize is that there, as you were saying, there is no one way to practice forgiveness. Some of the people in this book practice it in an instant and other people took 30 years. And some people, you know, are still struggling with it. And, um, and so I think it was, that was important to me is to have like a good group of people who had all different types of forgiveness journeys. And I think it speaks to how different we all handle forgiveness when it comes into our lives or the opportunity to forgive. We all, you know, we all confront it in a different way or welcome it or not welcome it in a different way. So, it, that was important to me to have that. But I think it's, you know, for, for people who want, you know, to cut to the chase and get a quick, (laughs) a quick run through on how to, how to forgive. It's, uh, it's disappointing to them because there isn't, you know, I would say read the book and read people's stories and, and listen and be open to it as the biggest piece of advice. But other than that, it's really up to you how you choose to handle it. And also to know that if you decide to forgive, in this instant, right today, that doesn't mean that you're never going to have trigger moments where you get upset about the situation moving forward. As you see in the book that every single person in this book is open to the idea of like, yes, I decided 20 years ago to forgive that person. Does that mean that I'm never triggered to feel anger or sadness or hurt or devastation or, or rage? No, I still feel those feelings and I allow myself to feel them. I don't, shut them away or shut them out, I allow myself to feel them. And then I bring myself back to living in a place of forgiveness. So that also, I think, makes forgiveness less intimidating.
0: Uh, I mean, the Chris Williams story is just the most incredible and his refer- representing the kind of cycling through the emotions of losing his wife and t- two of two of his children.
1: Yeah, was, two of his, and yeah. then his wife was pregnant. And his wife, so, and yeah. his
0: wife was pregnant, my goodness. So um, mm-hmm. not only did he In the moment, which I just like, I couldn't relate to. I want to honor so much this choice that he made in the moment to immediately forgive this drunk driver. Not only did he make this decision, but then he ends up befriending the person who caused the accident, which was in like a way that I could not connect to the most beautiful thing, but also a thing that afforded this person who of course still has to live with this. Terrible choice to drink and drive and take the lives of other people, the chance to potentially have some sort of life because of his willingness to pursue forgiveness. Even though he still gets triggered by the memory of and the life that would have otherwise been, there's something beautiful in just all of it that I think will, for anyone who is struggling with the idea of forgiving in the first place, reframe what forgiveness might afford not just them, but those around them in a way that just creates a lightness, even though it's impossibly difficult to even contemplate it in a situation like his.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Chris's story, Chris Williams' story is an incredible one. And and I actually have called him since the book has been finished and talked to him about his decision to forgive because so many people had a similar reaction of, reading his story and saying, wow, that's such an honorable thing to be able to forgive in that moment that you are, you know, laying in a turned over car and you look over and you see your wife, your two children in the back. And, um, and how did you do that? And, And also, you know, people feel like I could never do that. Like that's an impossible situation to be in and how could he possibly have been able to do that? And that's such an admirable thing, but like, how is that possible? And so I called him after because I had so many people saying that to me and I was, I asked him, so when you decided to forgive in that moment, how did you never have moments of rage or, or anger or, you know, sadness or, you know, devastation? Like, how did you never go through those many steps of getting to a place of forgiveness and you were just able to do it in the instant that it happened and he quickly said to me, no, 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 I felt all of those things. And I still have moments where I feel those things and I'll have, you know, trigger moments where I'm reminded of, you know, my kids that are no longer here, my wife, that's no longer here and, you know, what could have been. And I, you know, get really sad and upset and I allow myself to, you know, take the time if it's a day or a couple of hours or whatever it is. And now it's been, I think, 13 or 14 years since his accident. So he has them less frequently. But you know, when it happened, he would have it every single day. And so it was about, you know, getting to a place where he was able to bring himself back to a place of forgiveness, which is what his goal was, especially to honor the lives of his wife and his two kids who were no longer there. And so I think that was you know, a different, it was a refreshing way for me to really understand his forgiveness journey. And also, as you were saying, this ripple effect that a decision to forgive has on on the person's life, but also people around them. You also see that in Ron Hall's story who asked his wife for forgiveness after, you know, he was unfaithful to his wife. And you see that, you know, the effect of her forgiving him not only had a huge effect on their family, but also the effect on a homeless man who became a huge part of their family. And then, you know, thousands and thousands of homeless people who are given a huge amount of help from all of the work that Ron and his his wife, who's no longer here, have done to help homeless people in their community. So I think when you're able to see the effects of one person's choice and decision to practice forgiveness, you see how... Amazing it can be, and how uh, beautiful it is, and the relationship between Chris Williams and Cameron, who is the boy who you know took uh, the lives of uh, his family members, is such an incredible and remarkable one, and one that is really admirable and a fascinating relationship to to look at and to learn about and to to just see. Um, and I've talked to both of them together, and it was just incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean I think in, every, in in so many of the stories these people have connected to a why that is greater than the pain of the incident and been able to in that having stayed anchored to it in appreciation for what it might mean to his living children or in honor of the ch- the, the the children and wife that passed. Like that is a why that's big enough to make an impossible decision. And if you as a listener are grappling with the impossibility of forgiving something that feels unforgivable, is there a why that you could connect to that would give permission in, in, in a place that doesn't feel like it exists today for the possibility of peace, for the possibility of freedom, for the possibility of what it might mean to the people that you are still pouring into? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard thing to ask. One, one thing I think is interesting about forgiveness generally is that it tends to be a thing that is taught to us as small human beings yeah. when we have experienced very few things that we have to contemplate forgiving somebody for. And so the way that we think about forgiveness when it's first introduced and the way that we have to you know, hold forgiveness when something bigger than we think we ought to have to forgive is introduced to us is a totally different thing. And I'm I'm curious either in the way that people who have obviously in their storytelling here experienced things that they never would have wished on themselves or you, even just in your own experience growing into an adult human being, like how do we process as people this construct of forgiveness when it's taught to us when things have not yet happened in our life to having a set of experiences that now inform it being a more complex thing that we have to get
1: our head around? Yeah. I mean, I was, I t- I've talked to my mom about this a couple times because I think it's always uh, amazing to go back to how your parents, you know, taught you about forgiveness at a very early age. And when you're little, you know, I have, I have very vivid memories of learning about forgiveness when I was in kindergarten and, you know, what forgiveness was at that time is obviously very simple and straightforward. And, um, And I remember going to school and having a having an argument on the playground with one of my friends that, you know, that I thought was my best friend ever. And so I she had hung out with someone or had a play date with another girl and I didn't know about it. And so I had hurt feelings. And so I came home and I told my mom. You know, I'm not friends with her anymore, and it's over. And it was just like, you know, a very dramatic kindergarten thing to do. And so, my mom said to me, you know, you go to school the next day, and you talk to her. You tell her why she hurt your feelings and how how your feelings are hurt. And then, you if she, you know, you talk about it, and she will say she's sorry. And then you guys can hug and make up, and you guys can still be friends again. Doesn't mean that you don't have to be friends again. So. And and my mom, since then I've talked to her about it. My mom's like, Oh, I'm so sorry for teaching you forgiveness (laughs) that way. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's not, that's not a bad way to teach kids about forgiveness at all. I think it's a great way. You know, you go, you, you talk about what happened. you say, sorry, you know, hopefully the other person says, sorry. And then you explain how you had hurt feelings, you hug, you make up and you go back to playing on the jungle gym again. But then what you don't learn is that, uh, or, you know, I think I always had really open communication with my mom and I still do, which is, you know, my mom is a well of wisdom and amazing to be able to talk to about everything. And I didn't really, I don't think know how much forgiveness changes as we get older and what the role of it is in our lives and how that evolves over time and what that means to us. And so I don't think I ever really, Uh, took the time to sit with, what did forgiveness mean to me at 15? What did it mean to me at 20 or 25? Or, you know, now I'm 30. Like what, what did it mean to me at all those different phases in my life, in my life? Because it changes as we get older, because things become more complicated, emotions become involved, crazier things happen than when they did when you were five years old. And, um, and so I, I, tell my mom, you know, if that was an amazing way to start the conversation around forgiveness when I was five. And then I, I think just keeping the conversation open to what forgiveness will mean as you get older and have these different situations in your life. And my mom was always really open about that. But I just think that I was never really interested in it. And I also never really heard people talking about, you know, okay, so now that you're 14 years old and you have hurt feelings by someone that's a totally different situation, what does forgiveness mean to you? And obviously you have, you know, many children, so you can speak better on, on, uh, how to teach your kids than I can. But I think it's an interesting thing to talk to kids about and be open with kids about is, you know, that you know, what, what the role of forgiveness plays in their lives and, and does it mean to them, you know, that, that it's a weakness. Does it mean that it's something that, you know, weak people do and it's a way of caving or is it something that you look at as being a really empowering thing? And so I think that that language is just different. And, uh, and of course I became really interested in it when I, when I noticed that it, my inability to forgive was really consuming a huge part of my life. And I felt like I was literally every time I would run into somebody that I, there, this person that I had, you know, been hurt by, I would have so much anxiety. And so it felt like I was carrying around this unnecessary anxiety that I never knew when it was going to kind of smack me in the face and, and come up. And so it was the, the desire to no longer have that as being a part of my life that really uh, kind of sparked my interest in forgiveness.
0: I love it. It's interesting because we in real time are processing with our team are processing with our small humans, the ideas of reframing failure as not a sign of weakness, failure being for you. And this idea of, of forgiveness as a weakness or that forgiveness in some way Uh, Not being a thing that certain people do or that you ought to do in certain situations is a thing that with conversation, just trying to destigmatize a little bit of what it is and what it might mean to assume some power in the narrative of what has happened because of or through the vehicle of, of forgiveness Uh, that's a conversation that out of this conversation, I'm going to have differently with my kids. So I appreciate That's a good gift. Thank you, Catherine. Good work. (laughs) Uh, I I am interested, right? Like I know that the stories are told as much through the lens of people who leaned on faith as those that did not lean on faith. I know you are a person of faith. So I'm curious, uh, was there anything in the way that – uh, you have seen faith as a part of a vehicle to get through forgiveness in an easier or different way. Was there anything that happened in um, in the storytelling that you saw people leaning more or less on faith, or is it is it situational in how faith plays a role in forgiveness?
1: Well, I think uh, and that was another important thing to have in the book for me was um, when I was personally trying to read books before I decided to do a book on forgiveness, I would research, you know, books and, and different podcasts and things like that, that I felt like could really help me in my forgiveness journey. And majority of the books that I had found were all, uh, heavily faith-based books, which I, you know, I love and I think are amazing. They just, um, I, I wanted something more than that. And I, you know, I have grown up Catholic. I go to church with my family on Sundays, and um, I, you know, I, it's it's a huge part of my life, and was a huge part of my childhood, and and it is still a big part of my life, of course. And I wanted to have another perspective on forgiveness that didn't necessarily, you know, focus only on faith, because I think that it speaks to how we all are handling forgiveness. That you know, some people have faith as being a big part of their lives, other people don't, and if you don't have faith as a part of your life, does that mean that you're still able to forgive? And so it was important to me to have a collection of people who, you know, some people had faith prior to uh, a situation happening to them. Other people came to finding faith um, in their situation. Other people, you know, did not have faith as a big part of it. So I think just because you don't have faith as a part of your life does not mean that you're, you're unable to forgive, I would say that the people who have faith in their lives either before or came to having faith or just a belief in something higher and bigger than them, being able to believe that there is going to be a light at the end of this tunnel and having faith that there will be the ability to get to a place of forgiveness one day. Having that faith has been incredibly helpful to a huge amount of people in this book and people that I've talked to and also to myself. So I know that it's it's a big pillar of so many people's lives and a lot of people, you know, lean on that heavily especially in times of struggle and in times of pain and and feeling weak to be able to to lean on your faith and have that as a part of your life is a huge gift to have and so I would say that it's a little bit mixed but majority of the people in the book either had it in their life prior. And then I would say half people came to it in their struggle of, you know, not knowing what else to do in life, but to, but to turn to faith. And then some people, you know, simply just didn't find that they needed it or that they had to get to a place of exploring it. So it's a, a good mixture, but the people who have faith as a part of their lives, I think have the ability to lean on something that's, bigger than themselves.
0: Well, speaking of, uh, our plans, I mean, not that we were going to do this book tour together, but our (laughs) plans for uh, celebrating the release of our uh, respective books were put on the sideline in some respects, as much as we are doing things like this remotely. Because of uh, this crisis that's happening across our country, Mm -hmm. I have had to go to a place of 100% believing that there is a, a, a reason greater than anything I could control of why my book, why your book, came out right exactly when they did, even if it ends up meaning that some of the in-person meetups to celebrate these books coming out are going to have to be delayed until it is safe for us to gather with other humans, Mm -hmm. and that some of the things that are included in both of our books are the things that in the midst of quarantine are exactly what people need to hear. It was part of why I wanted to reach out and have a conversation. So I'm going to stay connected to that, and I'm going to believe it as much for you as I am for myself.
1: I totally believe that. And also it's funny because my mom, (laughs) when I made the decision with my publishers, which I'm sure you went through the whole same process of, you know, like, okay, we're going to need to cancel the rest of your book tour. It's like you have worked on, you know, a book for years and then you finally birthed this book and it's so exciting and you've put so much hard work into it and, and time and energy and love. And, um, and so to have it be cut short is such a, a challenging thing in the moment. To be like, oh, okay, well, you know, I've worked this hard on this, and you know, now what am I going to do? I'm really going to have to get creative and move everything online. Yeah. And what I what I quickly learned was I realized. I mean, first of all, not only were all of us in the same situations who had the book, our books come out that week. And also, you know, all of the people who had books come out in the past two weeks after us, I mean, it's an incredibly challenging time to, to have your book come out or a movie come out or, um, you know, to have a small business, it's a challenging time for everyone. So when I was able to, I first thought of what you were saying, which is there's a reason for this and, and we're going to have to get creative. And that doesn't mean that the book is over and that we can't still celebrate it and we can't still talk about it and spread awareness and the message. We just need to get creative in a different way. And then also knowing that everyone is in the same situation and it's not specific to you. That made me feel a lot better. And also keeping in mind that I for Lent this year, which uh, is uh, a Catholic tradition, it, we, like give up something or try to do something that's better that, you know, that we can make an effort to do in our lives before Easter. And the thing, of course, that I decided to give up uh, many weeks ago was to let go and to not control things. Oh, the the universe.
0: Oh, God. Oh, the universe. I know. I mean, come on, (laughs) Catherine, you may have brought this on. I don't want to say it out loud. I know.
1: (laughs) And so I, of course, was sitting there in my hotel room with my best friend who I work with. And and I was just like, "Ooh, this is <laughs> really, really just I made a choice to do this several weeks ago. I'm really going to have to test it again. It felt like what had happened to me in my writing of this book with forgiveness was happening all over again with my ability to really not control anything and to just let it go. And so I just decided I was like, you know what? I'm going to just let this go. I'm still going to work really hard when I get off the plane and land at home in LA and figure out how we're going to make this book, how we're going to spread awareness around it and how we're going to continue the conversation around it, which I'm sure you did as well. And I'm also going to just let it go and know that there are a ton of other people who are in the exact same situation as I am, and we're all going to be home together. So let's get creative. Like, let's start thinking about things that we didn't think of and that we didn't think we needed to think of. And, you know, let's let's really just take this time. And I and that was a big learning lesson to me. And um and so when my mom called me and she's like, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. She's like, are you sure?
0: (laughs) I had you know what I (laughs) had to like I had to stay really connected to uh, I mean one, I processed this in what I can acknowledge was a little bit of a self, selfish emotion. I was like, I have worked so hard. I am so excited. Yeah, I've been i been so looking day. forward <laughs> to it. And then the selfish emotion felt very selfish when I was able to actually think about how ridiculous it was that I was feeling something in an environment where people will lose jobs and people are struggling to figure out how to handle everything else that's happening. And so uh, bless, bless it. There is something good that is going to come out of this forced slowdown, whether it's in How books end up being read, or how we, as a collective humanity, figure out what actually is important in this darn world. So, uh, I feel good about. I also
1: think. I also think just another thing is that what I've also started realizing is that because so many people are home right now and are spending time either alone or with their families or just with themselves, and I also am. 100% aware of the fact that there are a lot of people who cannot be at home and cannot quarantine and Who are in hospitals and have kids and also have jobs that they have to continue to go to so I totally understand that and for the people who are at home I also think that there are a lot of people who maybe would not have picked up my book or your book prior to this who are you know for the first time sitting at home and giving themselves the time to read about things or read from authors or read books that they never would have normally read and will grow themselves and will do a lot of self-exploration in this time because they have the time. And so I think also looking at it that way has been really interesting because I, I know that I've heard from a lot of people like, oh, I never would have picked up a book on forgiveness had I not just, you know, been sitting at home and seen it on, an Instagram live, or you know, listen to a conversation around it, or listen to a podcast, because we're all in this environment of go, 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 and so now we all need—we're being forced to stop for a lot of us. Oh yeah. So I think that's an also an interesting way to look at it. That was um, actually got me a little excited to see. Like, I wonder how people are going to come out of this. Like, are people gonna? People will be changed for sure. But also, like you know we're all, we're, you know, a lot of us spending time at home and some with loved ones, but we can also, you know, pick up the phone and call someone that we haven't talked to in a really long time because we would never have given ourselves the time or read a book or explore parts of our lives. Like, I think that's some silver lining.
0: Uh, I mean, I I said this uh, this morning on a live stream in the rush to return to normal. Let's use this time to consider which parts of normal we are rushing back to. Because, exactly. I, love uh, I mean, there are so many gifts. When I mean, We have a thousand kids, but there are some gifts in the <laughs> time that we are getting to spend with these thousand humans in our home that are not normally afforded with the chaotic nature of our life. There are some ways that we are working virtually with our team. There are some ways that we are thinking differently about what matters, and maybe more importantly, what doesn't matter. And man, I think the legacy of this time, it's going to be hard. It is going to be harder than I think anybody necessarily even wants to acknowledge. It will be hard, but it will be a thing six months, two years, five years from now that we look back on with a strange sense of gratitude for having been given strength, for having endured something beyond what we thought we were capable of, and hopefully weaning ourselves off of some of the things that Had become part of our normal that are not actually important or don't actually now matter. Yeah, I agree. Good times. All right, listen. If you uh, are interested in a book that will give you a totally reframed perspective on forgiveness, if you in any way have struggled with forgiveness, and if you're listening and are human, you have struggled with forgiveness. uh, I cannot recommend the Gift of Forgiveness by Catherine. Schwarzenegger Pratt, more than uh, any of uh, any of the books that I've ever previously or that we've ever previously recommended. It's a fantastic read. Here's, here's the one thing I will say. If you are, like we've said in this episode, looking for the quick fix to how to quickly get to a place of forgiving people in every single instance where someone wrongs you, it is not that. There, there is not a simple quick answer. And so maybe part of the gift in this is the permission for you to feel The pangs, the frustration of the cycle of forgiveness being an ongoing thing that has a uniqueness to you because it is every single time totally unique to every single person who goes through it. The stories of these 22 people are harrowing, they are impossible, and there is something in each of them that you will see in yourself. And so it's a gift, honestly, Catherine, that you were able to put these stories together. And I'm grateful for you coming on this darn show today to give these listeners the gift of talking about a thing that, frankly, we just don't talk enough about. So thank you so much for being here today. Well,
1: thank you for having me. I'm so honored. Thank you.
0: Rise Together is hosted by me, Dave Hollis. This show is produced by Chelsea Harfoush and edited by Andrew Weller with production support by Sterling Coates, Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Rise Together is a product of The Hollis Company.